Hey guys, welcome to the Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Angelo McCorse. The Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Bison Star Naturals. They have travel-sized lotions that you can grab to throw in your bag for all the times that you're on the go and heading out for your next adventure. Today we have Jared Elliott from Dream Tree Farms. He's over there at the Dream Tree Project growing lettuce, herbs, and all sorts of other leafy greens in that huge shipping container over there. It's a pretty sweet, hydroponic, highly mechanized system that's about two acres in a box growing space, and it's pumping out a lot of good leafy greens for our community to eat. He's also incorporating some programming with the young people there to help them out, get their head clear, get them involved in agriculture, and also get them involved creating relationships throughout our community while they're selling all these greens. So I'm happy to bring you Jerry Elliott of Dream Tree Farms. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Angelo McCorse. What a beautiful Monday morning after all that rain last night. I'm sure you guys all tuned in to those thunder showers and checked out the light show that we got from it. But I'm really stoked. This morning's uh, fresh and crisp. I got out onto the plaza. I met with Jared from the Dream Tree Farms Project. He's got an amazing thing going on, working with youth and incorporating agriculture into their uh, daily lives so that way they can grow and As we all know, working with the earth and working with plants in general, there's a great amount of healing that comes with it. And I think young people need that in their lives anytime they can get it. There's some good growth and good opportunity to uh, heal uh, any of those scars along the journey. Because as we all know, when we're young, uh, the journey's not always easy. It can be rough, but I'm thankful there's programs like what Jared's doing and Dream Tree's doing to get these kids on their feet and make them feel good. How you doing this morning, Jared? Great to have you, man. Hey, Angelo. I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's a rainy season in Taos. It doesn't get much better. Oh, man. It's, there's nothing like the smell of that fresh rain after a nice been downpour. It's just that earth just comes up and hits the nasal passage and makes you feel, like, grounded. No doubt. No doubt. It's cool, man. So uh, how have you been, man? What have you been up to? How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Uh, we just went in and checked out the farm this morning. Um, when I talk about the farm, I'm talking about a 40-foot transportainer. It's actually like a shipping container. Um, there's a company up in Boston, Massachusetts that retrofits hydroponic farms inside of them. And uh, so that's my farm. It's about two acres in a box that's 40 feet long and nine feet wide. So pretty condensed little area. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's actually a really beautiful container. I don't know, maybe the viewers have uh, been checking out our Instagram feed at Bison Star. We always put up stories. And when I was getting Jared on the show, he gave me a little tour of this two acres in a box. And it's rather amazing. If you can imagine walls that are hanging vertically from the top of the box. And there's filled with uh, lettuce. They're long vertical rows hanging from the top of the box. And then there's light strings in between each row of the box. And so this guy is growing massive amounts of herbs and heads of lettuce and all kinds of crazy stuff. Just so the listeners know, can you uh, tell us where this growing container is at so they could come and check it out? Absolutely. We are uh, at 128 La Posta. You'll see a large white container. Um, we're actually working with, uh, with a group right now. Uh, and the youth of the shelter to come up with a mural. We're going to paint the side of it, so pretty soon it'll be uh, a a lot more ornate. But right now it's just a big white box. 
Nice. Shout out to Aras. I know he's the artist that's going to be doing the um, collaboration with Dream Tree and getting those kids painting. And he's an amazing artist. Right on, right on. So moving on, I would just like to know uh, what was your inspiration for um, wanting to work with youth and getting involved with Dream Tree? And how did that uh, farm box uh, get there? Well, um, so there's a, kind of a new trend within nonprofits uh, called um, social enterprises. And a social enterprise is a fancy way of saying that we want to start a business. And our goal with Dream Tree Farms is to provide revenue streams back to the actual shelter activities and the transitional living program. So that's how I kind of got into it. Up to this point, I'd worked in finance and banking and things like that. Um, always farming on the side or gardening on the side, that kind of thing, and always uh, fascinated with hydroponics. So when the opportunity came up, I built a pretty good relationship with Catherine Hummel, the executive director at Dream Tree, and I reached out and went in through the interview process. And there were some really great candidates. There's some very knowledgeable uh, hydroponic farmers in Taos and in the Taos area, so I was really lucky and grateful to to get the farm manager position, and that's kind of how it started. We um, We began those talks in December, of 2017, our, our farm was delivered in February of, uh, of this year, and we've been farming in there basically for about six months to this point. Man, that's really cool. I really appreciate the sustainable factor that you're uh, implementing in the Dream Tree Project because I've definitely worked with nonprofits, and I know that's a struggle to have an organization always, you know, competing for funding sources with everybody else around you. So I think that's brilliant of trying to uh, create this, what did you call it, a, a social... Social enterprise. Social enterprise, because, man, that's just a component of most nonprofits that's missing. So I think that's brilliant, because that's how you know that uh, when this growing box takes off, uh, Dream Tree will able, be able to continue because, uh, like I said, grant funding is a cutthroat world, but I'm glad you're going at it from a more sustainable angle. What are you um, currently doing with the box? Is it fully up and running? I know when I went in there to go check it out, it was definitely loaded and there was plenty to taste. So what what are you up to in there right now? Yeah, you know what? We're actually, we work with a, a seed representative out of Johnny's up in uh, up in Maine. And um, essentially what we're trying to do is figure out what seed strains of lettuce and leafy greens and herbs do best in our farm. Um, as you mentioned, it's 256 individual towers with little plugs with plants growing in them, and, um, and it grows pretty much 24-7. So we have the ability to harvest in the middle of the winter. Uh, in, the, in the heat of summer, we're, we're able to essentially harvest the farm 52 different times. So we harvest it each week. Um, we're right now, we're always sort of chasing bigger yields. So we're trying to produce more, uh, lettuce or more, you know, better herbs. We're trying to get them to maturity faster so that we can work with more people here locally. We can sell it through different channels or make it available. We, we provide, uh, lettuce to the shelter there at Dream Tree. So we're just trying to get more lettuce into more people's mouths. And that's, that's what we are. We're, we're always working on light cycles and water quality and different nutrients, makeups, um, we use mycorrhizomes to uh, to break down nutrients, and I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of things that we're sort of trying to recreate as we mimic uh, Mother Nature. Wow, that's beautiful, man! I really like how knowledgeable you are. Why don't you share some of the more uh, technical aspects of the growing box? And I'm just calling it the growing box, but please let me know the um, technical proper name that Dream Tree is going to be referring to it as so we can, you know, have some uh, continuity there. And um, also just let me know how it works. And um, 
Sure. So the the company that actually produces these is called Freight Farms, and they're out of Boston, Massachusetts. We just call it the farm. But as far as the technicalities of it, it's a it's just a huge array of pumps and fans and lights and um, you know just irrigation going throughout the whole thing. Essentially, what happens is we drop a seed into a seed plug and we put a, a humidity dome on it and 49 days later we cut that head of lettuce out of there and we send it out to market whether that be a restaurant or um, a local retail chain or something like that um, in that process we use led lighting to try to keep the uh, light consumption and the heat down as much as we can so we keep them in kind of a seed station uh, for about three weeks and then at 21 days we transplant them into the vertical towers that we were talking about and those towers hang um, with lights in between them, uh, light strands with blue and red LEDs to sort of mimic the spectrum of the sun that the plants need to grow. And essentially they get water. Um, we, we keep them on a 16-hour light cycle and eight hours of dark. And while, while the lights are on in the middle of the night, they're getting water about every 45 minutes. They get about two minutes worth of irrigation uh, and then the system turns itself off. So it's highly automated. A lot of what we do is we maintain sensors. So a lot of Monday morning's work is we come in and we, we calibrate everything to make sure that um, that it's counting everything we need it to. Um, you know, hydroponics is extremely uh, fast growing and you can do a lot with it. It's also extremely delicate. So if something's wrong, uh, you can kill over 4,000 plants in a very short period of time. So we're, um, we're always kind of keeping a, our, our finger on the pulse of what's going on within the farm. Um, we also use a, an app, actually a phone app, that allows us to monitor what's going on with the farm at any given time. We can turn on fans or lights or pumps. In fact, on Saturday, um, with the weather we've been having, the air conditioning unit turned itself off and I received uh, a text letting me know that the box is getting hot. So I went down and sure enough, the air conditioning unit had shut itself off and it was almost 85 degrees. Mm. Nothing really, no, no major stress to the plants at all because we caught it in time. But had we left it for the entire weekend, you know, we, we could have de- definitely run the risk of, of a lot of problems in there. Yeah, wow. That definitely uh, is a very technical uh, farm you got there. And I like the way you put it. You know, it's two acres in a box. And with all that surface area that you're maximizing your growing potential, it's a really efficient um, little farm you got going there. And I also know, so it's cool that it's automated because I know as a farmer and have done it for a few years intensively that it's such a hard job to maintain, you know, your soil and look out for your um, crops because as you know they never take a day off they're always alive you got to watch out for the temperature make sure they have enough water so like I was saying the automation really helps but where is the most hands-on part of the farm that you have to do is it the harvesting and the planting or how where are you in there the most you know we spend the bulk of our time really in the harvesting mm-hmm. we the second to that would be our transplanting and then prior to that would be the seeding those are really the major touch points that we have in our farm um, but harvesting preparation, the, the benefit that we do have, however, compared to um, soil farming is that a lot of farmers who harvest greens and grow them outside have a lot of time they spend on washing. Mm-hmm. And um, since we don't use dirt in our farm, we really don't have um, dirt to wash off the plant. So that, that saves us a good deal of time. There's two of us. I have an assistant there in the farm. Her name is Pat Moore. Um, very knowledgeable, and, and we work pretty well together. We're, we're in the farm mostly um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's when we do a good deal of our, our harvesting and then transplanting. Um, we handle our deliveries ourselves. So um, 
So that's really kind of that's kind of what our what our schedule looks like. Super cool. And uh, so now that I know that you're harvesting and you got uh, an extra set of hands in there, um, when are the kids going to be incorporated into the f- mix? We're working on it right now. Uh, we, we're excited to integrate them into, first of all, things like deliveries, um, because I think deliveries are important for um, get get the kids out of the shelter, out of the area, and give them an opportunity to interact with local business owners and kind of see how that aspect of things goes. Um, from there, we're, we're always trying to look at skill sets and people that have an interest um, in what we're doing and so that we can actually bring them into the box and have have them work with us um, within the seeding and the harvesting. We've got um, some volunteers that are working with us uh, a little bit on Friday. And so, and we also um, provide an opportunity for things like community service to get done and things like that. So um, we're constantly looking at more and more ways to integrate um, the youth into the program itself and really just get some people excited about growing hydroponics. Nice. Yeah, totally. It is a fun thing. And it's a really it's the field of hydroponics has been around for a while, but I love how it's a lot more accessible these days. And you can get these um, units like you have with reservoirs and vertical towers and it's all automated. Uh, You just have to keep filling that reservoir, putting in the nutrients, um, keep uh, seeding new starts through those little pods. Like you said, transplanting. It's a beautiful thing, man. And uh, also when I was in there, man, those walls are so green, so vibrant, so beautiful. And my favorite part is what you said without the soil, the harvesting is clean, man. Definitely. You have a really great product. And so I was wondering, can people currently like purchase the the um, greens that are coming out of the farm and um, where can we find that stuff so we can start supporting the dream tree farm and knowing that um, whatever is on our plates tonight is coming from the two acres in a box <laughs> it's a great question uh, so right now if you eat a salad at um, at five star burgers you're eating our lettuce if you go to common fire uh, you're eating our lettuce if you eat, uh, eat their their mix there um, and then we, we've been offering it uh, through the uh, Taos Food Co-op. So it's available there for sale. We do our deliveries on, as I said, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it goes pretty quickly um, because it, it's very reasonably priced and people are, have been very supportive of it. And as I mentioned before, we're working more and more um, on our yields so that we can continually find different avenues for us to sell that. One of the things we recently uh, implemented is we started interplanting um, radishes uh, as well as uh, pak choy. So we're excited about that experiment because it basically allows us to uh, kind of double up on our space and utilize everything that we're already doing um, is in terms of the inputs of electricity and things like water. Um, so no additional input really in that in that sense, but we're able to produce a different kind of food. So um, we've had some really great interest from the folks up at Common Fire to um, to the radishes and the pak choy, and those should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And that's great. I also uh, have a few connections. Um, I know Danny, the the produce manager over at SIDS, so if you ever need a hook there, I can definitely um, put in a good word. I also know uh, Patty and Patty Martison and uh, Terry Badhand over at TCEDC. They have a great link where a truck from La Montanita Co-op, you know, down south in Santa Fe and Albuquerque comes up to TCEDC to pick up food, meat, some value-added products from the community kitchen over there, as well as they also have a truck where they send it down south too. So there's a lot of opportunity for sure once you get those yields up and you have access and you need to get it out. So I got you. Don't worry about that. That's what it's all about, you know, helping each other grow and making those connections so i really love that you've got the farm over at dream tree you know you're helping it grow in a sustainable manner 
you're really focusing on the quality of the product and your greens so that way more people will take notice and uh, I think it's cool that you're developing that curriculum to get the kids in there to build those skill sets when they express that interest and I really love it the fact that when I was a young person when I got turned on to agriculture it definitely changed my life and put me on a different path because it gave me a new respect for the earth and the land and for health my own body the food the environment health of the environment and then not only that but just the whole community aspect that came from gardening and farming i really believe you got you're onto a holistic you know tip here where the kids are just going to love what's happening even just to get a kid to eat greens is tough but if you get them into a place where they're growing it themselves and they've nurtured that you know lettuce head they'll in turn let that lettuce head nurture them without fear because they actually put in the work for it so i really like everything that that farm is doing for the community as well as the kids and um just one more thing i really appreciate that um a lot of the local restaurants are supporting the vision and making it happen because i know as a starting a startup farm it's kind of hard to find those accounts right at the beginning and as a farmer i know that if you produce more than you can get rid of it either ends up going to compost or you end up giving a lot of it away um and you always want to make a little bit of money um, just to come up even, because as we all know, the margins in farming are very small. Um, so you're not in it for the profit. You're more in it to provide hash, fresh, healthy food for the community. So way to go, man. I'm, I'm, that's, that makes me excited to see what's really happening in our community in that way. And so now that we know a lot about Dream Tree Farm and the two acres in a box and all the work that it takes, what kind of programming you're having incorporated, let's learn a little bit more about you, man. Like, uh, uh, let me know what you've been up to lately when you're not over at Dream Tree Farm, man. And, you know, maybe a little bit about uh, what brought you to Taos and um, why you stayed. Because, <laughs> like, it's not easy to stay here and you know, there's not a lot of jobs. And um, unless you've got family, it's kind of expensive to live here. So yeah, man, how did it all fall in place for you? Sure. So um, I actually grew up in the Jemez Mountains, not too far from here. And I graduated from Los Alamos High School. So I'd always been kind of around northern New Mexico. Um, I lived uh, for a time in Phoenix and Austin, Texas and Durango, Colorado, and some really beautiful places I had the opportunity to live in. Um, But I think you can take the boy out of the mountains, I guess, is what they say or whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I couldn't wait to get back. I was living in Albuquerque at the time, really burnt out of the idea of this, the big city. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. It is for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. Um, and so my family at the time, uh, we moved up here about 10 years ago. And, you know, it's, um, it's definitely been an accepting place. It's allowed us to, it's allowed me to, to pursue other other avenues and dreams. You asked me what I do when I go home, and ironically, I go dig in the dirt and I grow food at my house as well. So it's kind of a boring deal. We raise chickens and um, that kind of thing. So uh, try to be outdoors as much as we possibly can, interacting with nature. And um, you know, I, th- I think to your point, um, you know, when there's love that goes into the food that you're producing, I really feel like there's a connection that goes when it's consumed. So I think that love transfers, and I think that. Um, the effort that's made um, on the front end of things, you know, the the saying we have at my house is is uh, we chase the dream, not the money. I can feel that. I can definitely support that kind of saying. Well, that's really cool, man. You're right. It is a sounds like you're a mountain boy, born and raised, and I can definitely know that. Uh, in my experience, when I've ever been to a big city. You definitely get burnt out there real quick. It's just such a fast pace. Everybody's on such a different trip. 
But when you come home, it's really nice. In our small community, it's almost like we're in a bubble because everybody understands what it means to garden. Everybody understands what it means to take their time. And, like, we always get the rep that we're, like, the land of manana or whatever. But it's not because we're lazy. It's just because we take our time and we acknowledge um, that everything doesn't have to move as fast as possible every single second of the day. It's nice to take the time and really absorb what's happening and pay attention to your surroundings and environment. So super cool, man. Also, beyond gardening, what are the kind of uh, hobbies do you have and what do you like to do around Taos? Do you hit up trails? Do you like to go down to the river? What kind of activities um, beyond hanging out in your backyard do you like to do? A little bit of all that, actually. We try to get outside. There's so many uh, beautiful hiking trails. Um, I do some fly fishing, uh, hunting in the fall, um, those types of things. Um, we, we're really into like food preservation and things like that. So just whatever way we can tie into learning different ways to forage or things like that. I mean, there's just, it, it, the mountains are so beautiful and they, they give an opportunity to exercise and give fresh air. And I think learn life lessons. I have a young family. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time, um, just trying to do things around here to, to recognize the beauty of what, what's, you know, where we live. Um, we do a lot of cooking. We're really into cooking um, at my house, and so yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're up to. I have a one-year-old, so um, there's definitely limitations to what you can do. Oh yeah, man, I hear that. I was about to ask you where you like to grab bites to eat and whatever, but I've already had interviews with folks who have young children, and the number one answer is home. And so let me know what kind of dishes you're cooking at home since you've got some stuff coming out of your garden in the back, I'm sure, and you have access to all this um, amazing Dream Tree Farm produce. Yeah, so um, let's see, what, what recently... One that I really like is I like to take a pork tenderloin and I roll it in uh, powdered red chili and I drizzle it with honey and Ooh. then bake it at about 350 for about 45 minutes. you got to let it rest, so you let it rest for, I don't know, 5-10 minutes. When that's done, you go ahead and just carve it up uh, into little medallions and that that's a really delicious dish. We like to serve it with uh, like fresh pinto beans or calabacitas or... Um, now we got green chili coming in. So, you know, that, that kind of has to go along with everything, cereal, whatever. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorites. Um, uh, let's see another one with the chili coming out, you know, you can't beat, I think a good steak with uh, fresh roasted green chili on top of it. Um, we got tomatoes coming out of the garden right now. So some fresh mozzarella and a caprese Ooh, salad is really good. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, zucchini boats, everybody's got zucchini right now to, to, for days. So. You know, there's uh, the corn's coming out. I mean, there's just, uh, it's such a beautiful time of year. It's a really busy time, and, it, you know, it can be exhausting. But, um, you know, as we do the preservation and canning of things, it's really awesome to look in the cupboard and see, you know, 50 jars of, of uh, canned green chili or whatever it might be. Um, it's To me, it just it speaks to me of, like, preparedness, I guess. Totally. Definitely need to have that. Like uh, in a previous podcast, it's a common theme, you know, preservation um, of foods is becoming a lost art. Not very many people are doing it these days. And those that do it, it's very tough because what I've heard is everybody's kind of doing it by themselves. And that used to be a community endeavor where everybody would get together, have huge harvest parties, huge preservation parties. And, you know, the more hands makes the load lighter. But these days it's kind of like since people aren't doing it that much, um, those who are doing it are doing all the work you know all the harvesting all the sterilizing their jars all the preparing the food canning it you know everything so 
it's a rewarding um venture and well it's not a venture it's more like a rewarding hobby because <laughs> like you said you can open up that cupboard in you know january when there's a foot of snow on the ground and you see all that beautiful glistening jars different colors all these different foods and you don't have to go to the store you don't gotta you know go dig yourself out of your driveway and go <laughs> drive to the store risk getting stuck so that's really cool man i really appreciate that you're um all about preserving and um i guess the more i talk to people um the more i know that it's happening on the regular so who knows maybe a canning party might spawn out of the taos mountain lifestyle next year <laughs> i hope so so that's cool man now that we know what you like to do in the area for fun um beyond gardening because gardening is really fun and it can take all your time but let's switch gears and go back to dream tree a little bit because i just would like to know since you're working so hard at dream tree and like you said there's a lot of awesome you know hydroponic farmers in the area um, do you have any kind of uh, collaborations that you're looking to make happen or do you have any um, dreams for the farm that you would like to see um, happen in the next year or two? Uh, let everybody know what the visions are, man, because you never know who you might attract through this podcast to come help. Yeah, so, you know, I'm always open to new collaborations. I feel like uh, any time that you're working with someone else who's passionate and focused, um, there's a lot to be learned. And so... I try to be uh, very much a yes person whenever something comes my way, and, and I don't have anything really specific. I can tell you we've had really good experience um, with uh, the local hydroponic store, um, Earth Goods. They've been really good to us. They've worked with us to find um, really effective pricing. So rather than um, purchasing our nutrients and, and a lot of our supplies from from you know some some other company far away, we're we're able to work with a local co- um, a local company that's been very flexible with us to to learn and grow. Um, but honestly, we're looking at opportunities to continually grow. And with that, a lot of times what it means in our specific case is to buy another container. So we're looking at what opportunities we have within the grant world or um, donations and things like that, that we can look towards to actually r- uh, purchase another container. We feel like we've really got a lot of the processes and procedures down uh, in the one that we're working with. And, and we've been so f- like warmly supported within the community to, um, we can't really produce enough lettuce, honestly, to to um, get it to all the places that have offered um, uh, for us to sell it through them. So that's our goal is to not only grow our yields, but figure out a way that we can replicate the farm. And in terms of just general, uh, the, you know, hydroponics is not really the same um, in my experience in like a guy that farms in the dirt, he's usually welcome, you know, welcoming for you to come to his house and have a glass of tea and walk around the garden and show it off to you. Hydroponics is not really that way. So I think um, that's a huge opportunity for us to make it more mainstream, to make it more palatable and to, to make it more acceptable because I think a lot of people are sometimes a little bit freaked out at the idea that we grow a bunch of food and there's no dirt involved. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what uh, the future brings us to is new methods, um, new practices, and ultimately new knowledge. And sometimes it's being proven to be more efficient than growing in the soil medium. So, hey, we always got to grow together and accept change because if you don't, it's coming whether you like it or not. But I appreciate how you guys have a healthy balance of, you know, um, being accepting of all agricultural practices, even though you're focusing on the hydroponics setup. Super cool, man. And uh, also, 
on that note, I would like to give you the opportunity to make some shout outs to any people you're working with. I know that there's so many people to list. Um, don't worry, you'll get to them later because I'm sure you're going to be a guest on the podcast again in the future when you get that new um, garden box. So you can start telling us you got four acres and two boxes. <laughs> so what would you like to say to the community, man? Well, first of all, I think the the biggest shout out has to go to the Dream Tree staff. I mean, it's some of the most important work that I've ever been around in in my life. Um, you know, from the uh, emergency shelter for youth that's uh, you know in distress, needing a place to go. Um, there's a transitional housing program that allows people to learn life skills uh, and and kind of find their way in life in a little bit more sustained way. And so I think any 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 time that we give a shout out, it has to go to those people because I wouldn't have the opportunity to do what I'm doing or be here with you for that matter if it wasn't for their hard work. Um, Catherine is a, Catherine Hummel is just an excellent um, organizer and I think motivator, and I think she has a, a very much a, a, a big picture view of what Dream Tree can become. And in similar to the way that we can't really make enough lettuce, there's just such an enormous need of young people out there that need a place to go um, and need some assistance to learn, you know, how to how to get a leg up. As you said early, early on, um, you know, our early years can be extremely challenging and difficult. And um, and so there's definitely uh, a need and any opportunity I have to to grow and, and help work in that organization. I feel hugely honored to, to be doing that. Yeah, man, that is awesome. Good shout out. Those folks at Dream Tree are doing a lot for the community and the young people here. And just so that way we make sure our audience knows exactly what Dream Tree is. Can you tell us a little bit more about Dream Tree Project itself? Because I think we focused more on the farm than we did on the actual program. So why don't we just enlighten everybody? Absolutely. So um, in the mid-90s, there was a need that was sort of, uh, I mean, it wasn't discovered at that time, but it was definitely kind of came to a head and some very hardworking women got together and decided to to start Dream Tree Project, which um, at that time was an emergency shelter for young people who needed a place to go. And it's kind of lived in that theme uh, ever since. You know, they've they've taken on um, bigger and better grants and They've learned different ways to find uh, money to support the shelter itself, Um, but it's grown into what it is now, and we're actually going through an expansion where we'll have the opportunity to house even more kids, and there's there's not a lot of these um, type of facilities uh, within the entire state. I believe there's seven in total. Um, and one of one of which is Dream Tree, and so we we have kids that visit us from all over the state of New Mexico, depending on uh, who has basically available beds. So that's what we do day in and day out is we we take people that are in a rough spot in their life and we try to help them uh, to to learn life skills and get themselves back on their feet. Our youth are our future, man. That's really great that there's an organization here in Taos, New Mexico, one of seven places in the whole state to offer this kind of help to young people. I just really admire and respect that mission and that vision because it is true. Being young, especially in a rural area, isn't easy, man. There's a lot of uh, distractions and a lot of paths that can swallow you up if you're not careful. Because, of course, you know, the path that's always put forward by our mainstream society of education and graduating high school, you know, being put right through college, getting a career, staying in it for, you know, 35 years until you can retire. That's kind of a daunting uh, future for a lot of young people. And I know that can um, be intimidating. So 
I really appreciate that uh, if anybody gets lost on that track that everybody's supposedly supposed to be on, there's organizations and help to keep people focused and help them find their passions, help them find their vision and ultimately give them something worth living for. Because, you know, it's really sad, man. There have been a lot of deaths recently in our community over the last few years. And most of those deaths have been of young people. And a good percentage of those deaths have been young people taking their own lives. And, you know, it's a really sad thing when you see somebody so young with so much life ahead of them just, you know, go ahead and decide to end it. And it's a really sad subject and real touchy. So I'm just so thankful that there's a program like Dream Tree out there in Taos for all these young people who may be having um, any kind of uh, struggles in their life. You know, go check them out. Their doors are open. They're great people. And, you know, like Jared here, just, you know, hearing the passion in his voice, I'll know he'll do anything to help young a young person out that is really expressing a need for that kind of support. I would also like to uh, encourage viewers, I mean, and listeners to uh, communicate with you and contact you. Is that cool? Is it cool if people swing by the farm um, when you're there working on it? Yeah. You know what? It would be better if you send me a note because, as I said, uh, an email that is um, because we're not always there. We're there um, Tuesdays and Thursdays predominantly, and then we do kind of some maintenance work the rest of the week. But you're welcome to email me. It's Jared, J-E-R-R-O-D, at dreamtreeproject.org I'm available on uh, Facebook we're on Instagram so definitely reach out um, you can call the main line there 758-9595 um, and just let somebody know that you'd like to come by and check out the farm and I'd be happy to show it to you um, yeah we're, we're around that's great so you guys heard it definitely arrange a time to go uh, visit give him a call send him an email and uh, let them know what you're up to. They're always open for folks. It's really cool. I know when I was cruising my bike, I was lucky enough to be cruising by on a Tuesday or Thursday. So I was just able to wave at Jared and he said, hey, man, you want to check this out? And it really is cool. Of course, it's uh, two acres in a box, so there's not very much wiggle room for the workers and people in there. So I definitely understand why it's not just open for tours. And I also understand it's a very... Uh, a sensitive system not sensitive but it's just a system that has a lot of components and a lot of sensors and so uh you don't want too many heads in there um bumping anything or um getting in the way so definitely don't let that discourage you from setting up a meeting and checking it out because it is really cool sustainable technology that he's got going on in there and it's just a it's just an eyeful and you'll have a lot to a lot of food for thought <laughs> if you go over there and check it out so jared man you got any last words uh, no, you know, you mentioned it earlier that I would remember who to shout out to <laughs> after the fact. And I just want to say thank you to the community of Taos. I mean, we've been um, so warmly accepted everywhere we've gone with this product um, and with our idea. And uh, so I just I just want to leave you all with a huge, huge uh, thanks for all of your support that you continue to give to Dream Tree Project and the farm. Uh, and, and yeah, I just want to say thank you. All right, man. Thank you, Jared. I really appreciate you making the time to come through and be on the Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast. I want to thank all you listeners out there for tuning in, subscribing, liking, commenting, letting me know how I can improve. This is a really cool project that we're doing here, and uh, people are starting to find out and feel what the Taos Mountain Lifestyle is and what it's all about. So also, I would just like for you guys to keep your ears open and keep your eyes looking out for the next podcast. All right, you guys, you have a great day and uh, enjoy that crisp fall weather.